Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Moms, happy Mother's Day to you. So excited for you today. This is a day that uh, we celebrate moms and we uh, remember moms for all that you've done, for all that you currently are doing, for all that you will do for us. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you. This is your day. You know, I uh, was thinking about my spiritual heritage that I got from my mom and my, really my parents growing up as a kid. And literally, I could trace my spiritual heritage back to one key decision that my parents made. And that one key decision, it literally, it changed my life. One decision. And, you know, I don't know whether it was my mom driving the decision, it was my dad driving it, or it was a collaborative effort. I mean, honestly, I was a kid. I wasn't involved in those kind of conversations. But when my parents made this one key decision, at the time, honestly, it seemed like a, a really small decision, and honestly, a decision that I know that lots of parents have made, but that, that one decision, it set in motion a chain of events in my life. And without that chain of events coming to pass, I would not be preaching here today. I probably wouldn't be in ministry today. I, I, honestly, I seriously doubt if I would even be a Christian so what was that one key decision that my parents made? Go to church. Go to church. I know, like that seems like really underwhelming, doesn't it? Um, but, but when my parents said like, go to church, what they really meant was like, we're going to church every time the doors are open. Look, and this is back in the day when they had church on Sunday morning and on Sunday night. And, and, like, and it wasn't just the same sermon. No, no, no. You got a whole new sermon on Sunday night. I like to call it the insurance sermon because the pastor was kind of lame on Sunday morning. At least there was a chance to like make it up for it you know, that night, right? And uh, so at Sunday morning, Sunday night, we also went to church on Wednesday night. That was when we had all of our student ministry activities uh, for our youth group. And so we went on Wednesday nights and we also went to every camp, every retreat, every Bible study, Every event, every, literally every single time the doors of the church were open, I mean, like, like, we were there. And honestly, my best friends came from our student ministry at church. Because, you know, look, it's not like I hated it. Like, I loved it. Like, it, we, it was so much fun. I enjoyed it. Because, you know, all my best friends were there. Look, and if I was being completely honest, like, there were some cute girls there, too. Like, and that, you know, like, help matters, certainly. Um, but look, that's, that's, that's where I learned about God. And that's where I learned about Jesus and about what it meant to follow him. Now, the, what prompted my parents to make this one decision was that when I was in sixth grade, like, I lied, like, a lot. Like, honestly, I just, I lied about everything. And I think my parents um, were just kind of at the end of the rope. And, you know, they said, you know what, we don't know what else to do. So, you know what, we're going to church, like, hoping that'll help, Right? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, that's just, that's just, that's just what they chose to do. Um, and, and literally, in, in one week, we were previously a family, like, we went to church, like, I don't know, like, twice a month on Sunday morning, 
And literally, when they made that decision in one week, we went from going, doing that to really being there every single time the doors were open. I'm telling you, it, it changed my life because here's the thing. One year, one year after going to church like that, I stopped lying. One year after that, that's when I really started to come alive spiritually. And I began to understand about God and about Jesus and about how much he loved me, how he wanted to have a relationship with me. One year after that is when God spoke to me and called me to go into the ministry as a vocation. Now, I didn't say yes to God right away because like, I knew that that was like a really, really big deal. But three years later, I finally said yes to God. And I changed my college choice to go to Baylor and then to seminary. And now here I am. And that's how it happened. And it all started with one key decision that my parents made. Because I'm telling you, without that, none of that, none of those chain of events would have ever happened. And look, let me be honest, it was really my mom that took me to church the most because, you know, it just worked out logistically better because, you know, of my dad's work. And so my mom is the single greatest factor as to why I'm here today. And of all the things that my mom has done for me, of all of the times that I was sick and she took care of me, of all the school lunches that she made, of all the loads of laundry that she did, of all the times that she held down a job so that you know, like we would have enough, of all the things my mom did for me, the thing that I'm the most thankful for is that she took me to church. And she took me to church a lot. And look, there were some times in the early going that like I didn't want to go, but she made me go anyway. And I am so thankful for that because it changed my life. And so how appropriate that here on Mother's Day, that we're going to read about a mom in the Bible that made one decision, one key decision that forever altered the course of her child's life. And the truth is, for all of us, sometimes we are only one decision away from our family being changed. Sometimes we are only one decision away from literally the course of our children's lives being forever altered for the better. Sometimes we're only one decision away from God reshaping our family and our family's future. And sometimes those decisions seem like really small when we're making, but I'm telling you, one small decision in the hand of God can change our families for generations. Now, before we get into the story today, before we really get into it, um, there's two groups of people that I want to talk to just for a moment. Um, the first group of people are those ladies who want to be a mom but aren't yet. Like, I, I, look, I know, days like Mother's Day can be really, really hard and really, really difficult because you so desperately want to be a mom, but for whatever reason, that just hasn't happened yet. Well, let me tell you this. The story that we're going to read today offers you great hope because the lady in this story couldn't become a mom for a really long time. And then God stepped in and did something miraculous. And so, just because you aren't a mom now doesn't mean that you never will be. 
And I don't know what God might do, but let me just plant this little seed in your heart, okay? Consider adoption. Because did you know, there are over one million orphans in the world. And I'm telling you, look, this life is hard enough to navigate successfully, but to do so without the guidance of a loving mom, I mean, that, that is almost insurmountable. And so the greatest hope of these children is to have a mom who really loves them. And you know what it's like to have your hopes dimmed. But through adoption, God could grant both of you your greatest hope at the same time. In fact, did you know that the most famous person in the Bible other than Jesus was adopted? Yeah, it was Moses. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, and God used him to change the course of a nation, and the events of his life are forever etched in the annals of history. So consider adoption. Okay, second group of people I want to talk to today that are listening are dads. Um, dads, I know you'll be tempted to just kind of check out, but I'm telling you, everything that we're going to talk about today applies to you as well, because here's the truth, like, you work really hard, like, you sacrifice a lot, and you love deeply. Now, most of that happens during halftime, like, we get that, but, but I'm telling you, everything we're going to talk about today applies to you as well, so don't just sit there passively, okay? All right, so go ahead and pull out your messages, let's get started. And um, let me give you a little bit of background so that the story that we're going to read makes some sense. Okay, the mom that we're going to look at today, her name is Hannah. And she's married to a guy named Elkanah. Now, this is during the time in history when it was culturally acceptable for men to have multiple wives. And sure enough, Elkanah had another wife, and her name was Peninnah. Now, Peninnah was able to have children, but Hannah was not. But ironically enough, Elkanah, the husband, loved Hannah the most. And so Peninnah was jealous of Hannah because she was loved the most. But Hannah was jealous of Peninnah because she was able to have children. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that these two ladies just picked, 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 picked at each other. So look, this is no sister wives sort of situation, okay? That is, this, that's not that kind of a reality show. This was one really tense household to live in. Well, one day, and to make a, all right, to make a long story, you know, kind of more medium length, um, what happens is Hannah goes to the tabernacle to pray and ask God so that she could have a child. She meets Eli the priest, who also prays with her that she would have a child, and sure enough, she becomes pregnant, miraculously. And so, she has a baby boy whom she names Samuel. And we now know that Samuel goes on to become one of the greatest prophets in all the Bible. But we pick up the story shortly after this child is born. So let's ask this question. What does God want me to learn from Hannah? Well, we've got time for two things this morning. Here's the first. Number one is this, is that I need to thank my mom for making sacrifices. I need to thank my mom for making sacrifices. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning verse 24, the Bible says this. It says, after he was weaned, now in this culture, that one meant the child would have been somewhere between two and three years old, somewhere around there. She took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at 
Shiloh. Now, Shiloh was only 15 miles away from their hometown in Ramah, so it was pretty close, okay? When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Remember, Eli was the priest that she had prayed with to have a baby. And she said to him, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked of him. Get this. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. Now, get this. What she means when she says, for his whole life, what she really means is that she's going to leave this baby there at the tabernacle to be raised by the priest so this kid can serve God for his whole life, like starting now. I know, right? Like, are you, and, I, and look, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, there is no way. Like, there is no way I would ever just drop my infant child off of the church for them to raise. And, you, and I'll be honest with you, that makes me glad, okay? I, I don't want you to drop your kids off over here for us to raise. Like, that's not what we want, okay? Like, look, mom, like, you think that little tag that we give you is so that you can pick your kids up? No, 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 no. That's so that we can track you down. Like if you don't pick up your kid, okay? That's what that, that's what that little thing is for. Um, no, but look, let me just say this. Look, I, I, don't, I don't understand all the reasons why Hannah dropped her child off at the tabernacle. I mean, the Bible doesn't really tell us. And that was not the cultural norm for their day. But I can tell you this, that... That was a very, very, very hard thing for her to do as a mom. Especially because this was a miracle baby for her. Now, on the flip side, she knew that her child would be very well taken care of by the priests. And she also knew that this would give her child the very best chance to serve God with his whole life. And look, and it wasn't very far. It was only 15 miles away. And so she knew that she could visit often, which the Bible tells us that she did. I mean, even though she didn't have a car, look, by donkey, it just was easily a day's journey, okay? Piece of cake for her. So, um, but here, here's the point. Here's the point of this, that we, and the lesson I want us to get from Hannah here. Moms make personal sacrifices for their kids all the time. I mean, they make huge sacrifices for the kids. And look, I mean, I know my mom did. I'm pretty sure your mom did. I'm pretty sure every mom listening to me does as well. Look, and I, I know my wife, Amy, she regularly makes sacrifices for our kids, for our family. I mean, she sacrifices her personal wants, her schedule, her money, her convenience, her sleep. She does that kind of stuff all the time for the benefit of our family. And look, and here's the thing. Like, those kinds of sacrifices are really commonplace for moms to make. And so they rarely get thanked for all of those sacrifices. So you know what let's do? Let's thank our moms right now. In fact, let's thank all the moms that are here today for all of their sacrifices that they have made for us along the years. So let's applaud them because moms, you are amazing. 
the sacrifice you make, the things you do. It's unbelievable what you do. And we don't say thank you enough. You're wonderful and amazing. You truly are. You truly are. Now, let me also say this. Look, when, whenever you go pick up your kids today, and by the way, please, like, go pick up your kids today. Like, we, we've kind of covered that. Um, when you go pick up your kids today, if there is a mom that's volunteering in that room, take the time to especially tell her thank you. Because look, she volunteers on her Mother's Day to teach your child about God so that you could come in here, so that you could learn about God too. So when you pick up your child, thank her for her sacrifice on her Mother's Day. Would you make sure you do that? Okay. All right, second big thing we learned from Hannah is this is that I need to believe that my child is capable of more than I think. That my child is capable of more than I think. Chapter 2, verse 18 says this. It says, Meanwhile, Samuel continued to serve in front of the Lord. As a boy, he was already wearing a linen ephod. I mean, that's incredible, right? Yeah, who knows what that is. Okay, so anyway, so um, yeah, most people don't know what an ephod is, so let me just kind of, you know, tell you about that. Um, uh, an ephod was a sleeveless linen garment that a priest would wear over his robe, okay? And attached to the, um, to, to the ephod, like right in the middle, would be a breastplate that would have four rows of three stones each, each stone representing one of the 12 tribes of Israel. In fact, we found a picture of a linen ephod, so let's go ahead and put that picture up. Um, so the blue part, the blue, that is the linen ephod, okay? The thing in the middle, that's the breastplate. Now, normally that would be made of, the plate itself would be made of gold, but this priest got his at Walmart, so it's the discounted version, and so that's what that is. But, um, but, but yeah, but, but get this, get this. The ephod, the blue garment and the breastplate, that was worn only by the priests, and it was worn only when they were performing priestly functions, okay? All right, so we can take that down. So here's the thing. For this little boy, Samuel, and by the way, he was under 12 years old at the time because he was referred to as a boy. So we know he's under 12. For him to be wearing an ephod, like, that would have been unheard of because that would mean that he was performing the duties of a priest. And nobody would have think that a boy his age would have been capable of that. And, and you know, sometimes I think, I think we grossly underestimate what God can do through the life of a child. Um, because they're capable of so much more than what we give them credit for. Let me give you an example. A number of years ago, when my son Ben, when he was in first grade, okay, first grade, I taught his Wednesday night um, small group up here at church, and the curriculum called for the kids to memorize Bible verses. They could memorize up to three Bible verses a week. And these weren't just like short verses, like, you know, like Jesus wept. No, no, no. Like these were long, like sometimes two, maybe even three lines long. And I thought, there is no way that these kids are going to memorize these verses. I mean, it's just too much. And so 
Uh, but sure enough, get this, by the end of that year, I had five kids, five kids in that class. They memorized every single verse, three verses a week, every week. By the time we got to the end, they knew more than 60 Bible verses word for word. And they, it's not like they could just say the three and then forget them. No, every week they had to say all the ones that they knew and three more. Now, and get this, every single kid in the class memorized at least 20 verses. Every one of them. Five memorized all of them, all of them, but all of them memorized at least 20. You know what? I don't know many adults that can know 20 Bible verses off the bat just like that. I know very few that could quote 60 verses. I'm telling you, like, we underestimate what kids are capable of spiritually. Look, moms, you believe in your kids, right? Dads, you believe in your kids, and you want them to grow up and be great, right? But get this. No one, no one believes in your kids more than God. No one believes in your son or your daughter more than God does. No one believes that they are capable of more than what God believes that they're capable of, including you. Now, and the truth is, God knows the limits of what they're capable of. You and I, we just have to estimate. And too many times, we estimate way too low. And so, Hannah knew a principle that we need to know. And here's what Hannah knew that we need to adopt into our little lives, and that is this. Is that, and this is your fill-in, with increased exposure comes increased faith. With increased exposure comes increased faith. Now, what, what I mean by that? I mean that one of the reasons that Samuel was capable of so much at such an early, early age was because he was exposed to God and his and teachings about God 24-7, 365, ever since he was a little kid. I think about me for my life. That my life started to change when I was dramatically when the, the amount of exposure I had to God increased dramatically. That's when my life changed. And one of the best things that you can do as a parent is to dramatically increase the exposure that your kids have to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ. Because that's how faith grows. Look what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Consequently, Faith comes from hearing. I want you to underline those four words. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Let me put that another way, okay? This is, this is your feeling. This is what I want you to write down, okay? Look, faith doesn't grow by believing more, but by hearing more. Faith doesn't grow by believing more, but by hearing more. See, most people think that you grow your faith by taking these big leaps of faith, that if you just take these big leaps of faith, then that strengthens your faith and makes your faith grow. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. And honestly, that's not what happens in real life. What the Bible says and what God says is this, is that your faith grows when you hear more. Look, when my mom took me to church, 
all the time. The reason that my faith grew is because of what I heard. And what did I hear? For years, over a long period of time, like I heard about how people gave their lives over to God. I heard stories about people who prayed and asked God for things, and God answered their prayers, and sometimes miraculously. I heard stories about how people took these really big leaps of faith, and it worked out. I heard about people who reached rock bottom when they did. They looked up to God, and they found that God was more than enough. I'm telling you, it's the stories and the things that I heard over the years that dramatically increased my faith, and that changed my life. And it'll change yours. And it'll change the lives of your kids. Because faith grows, not by believing more, but by hearing more. And the only way you hear more is if you are exposed to more. And that's how it works. So, parents, grandparents, especially moms and dads, let me encourage you. Use your position of influence in your family to dramatically increase the exposure that your child and your teenagers have to God and to his son, Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you, you want them to hear more about Jesus. Look, and I'm not talking about coming to church more just so that they can, you know, hear, you know, more stories about how to be more moral. I'm talking about coming to church so they can hear about Jesus Christ who will literally change them from the inside out. That's what it's really all about. That's what it became about for me. It wasn't about being good. It was about being changed. And that's what faith does for us. That's what Jesus does for us. Look, and I, look, and I know, I know that if you do that, there will still be some kids that will still go astray. But I'm telling you, for the vast majority of kids, just like it happened for me, it will change the course of their life. And by the way, even those that do go astray, many of them come back when they're older. Because, and I know that because that's some of your stories. And what is it that we're supposed to have our faith in? What, what is the object of our faith? Look, the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to this earth for one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to die on a cross so that his death could purchase the forgiveness for your sins and for my sins. And that forgiveness is only applied to your life. When you ask Jesus to come into your life to live, to forgive you, and pledge your life to following him. Have you ever done that? If you've never done that, there is a prayer at the bottom of your message notes. I want you to take a moment and I want you to pray that prayer. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray and then when I pray, I want you to be praying that prayer because I'm telling you, there is nothing that your mom would like more is if you prayed that prayer today on Mother's Day. Maybe you've been thinking about it for a while. And so if you have, go ahead, take that step and pray that prayer. 
So I'm going to ask everybody right now, bow your head, close your eyes. If you're ready to pray that prayer, then I want you to pray it as I pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Hannah and her incredible faith in you and what she did and how that sets the tone for moms centuries after her passing. And so I ask that you would help every mom and every grandmom listening today, that they would be encouraged today. They would feel thanked and appreciated. But more than anything, God, I ask that you would help all of us to increase our exposure to you and to your son, Jesus Christ. Because our kids and teenagers are capable of way more than what we think. And I ask that you would use that increased exposure to grow our faith and theirs. And I ask you to bring us back next week so we can hear more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.